Hello everybody and welcome to Life Negotiations. My name is Lucine Merabi. I am a professional negotiator and in this series I bring you colleagues who share with us their knowledge and expertise on complex negotiations. Today's guest is the one and only Matthias Schranner. Matthias has over 30 years of experience in crisis negotiations. He is a former hostage negotiator. He is now the CEO of a company, the Schranner Negotiation Institute. He provides trainings, conferences, and he's traveling all around the world to help companies, the United Nations, and government institutions in their complex negotiations. So let's jump in and ask him everything we need to know about negotiations. Matthias, welcome. Welcome to Dubai. Thank you so much for being here. We're in this beautiful boardroom with this beautiful box. I wish it was my office, but it's not. How is it to be back in Dubai again? Well, thank you for having me. It's, it's great to be back in Dubai. It's uh, my first day, my first speech after one and a half years mm. of sitting home in my home office. Yeah. And I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, how was it to be back in front of a big audience, like normal life again? I think I need to get used to it again. Really? <laughs> it was really, yeah, it's, it's different. It's different after one and a half years. And, you know, to feel this dynamic with the group, uh, mm. it's, it's amazing. I'm so glad to be back to the new normal. Yeah. yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. I can't wait to be back on stage yeah. again as well. So obviously we know each other. I know what you do. I know what you've been doing. But for the people who don't know, could you please explain a bit more about yourself, about what you do? Sure. I love deadlock scenarios. I love difficult negotiations. I love situations where our clients say they have no idea what to do, mm. there is no way out, and this is where we come in. So we created this uh, institute, we are based in Switzerland, in Zurich, we do have, have offices in New York City, in uh, Hong Kong and in Dubai, and our mission is to help our clients in these deadlock situations. Um, we support clients, global clients, United Nations in New York, global companies, uh, political parties, always in difficult situations. Uh, we operate with two business units. One is seminars, workshops. So we deliver a lot of workshops, one day, two day seminars with certification. And the other business unit is, we call it consulting, where the clients can call us and then we help them to find a solution. Based on my background, I'm a former hostage negotiator, so I love conflicts, <laughs> I love when the heat is on, when, when you know, everyone is under pressure, because then it's the right time to think differently. Mm. This is what I love. Yeah. And is it something that you always loved or did you grow to love conflict? Did you choose this or was it a coincidence? How did you end up being a hostage negotiator? I started as a regular police officer, which was quite boring. This is why I joined the Drug Enforcement Agency. I worked undercover for six years, buying drugs, selling drugs. And I call myself a street negotiator because everything I have learned, I learned really on the street in negotiating with someone who has a different, let's say, a different understanding of business, a different philosophy. And in, in this drug environment, you don't have a SWAT team behind you. You don't have someone observing you. So you're on your own. And this is why in these situations, you sh you're not allowed to make a mistake. And then you learn to use every word in the right sentence and so you become a really very calm negotiator 
because this is what you see on TV, on, on the cinemas. This is not, not the real life. No, no, on the street, your life depends on it. And as you say, you don't have a backup team. Exactly. So it's you right <laughs> there, the right there. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So what are the main things that you learned from on the street that you're like, this is something that I couldn't have learned from the books. It had to be lived to learn. There's one, one principle at the police, which is we negotiate with human beings, not with criminals. Mm, I love that. So we, if I would talk to a hostage taker, I would come up with a different language, different wording, different approach. If I talk to John, for example, who is in a really difficult situation, then my wording, my approach is different. Mm. And this is why, this is what I have learned. Even if my negotiation partner is going against me, is, is using unfair tactics, I don't care. Yeah. So I'm, I'm never upset, I'm never disappointed because I think, uh, well, my understanding of fairness is completely different maybe to your or to, to the understanding of, of my opponent party. Yeah. And this is very helpful in, in um, cultural or intercultural negotiations yeah. because every culture has a different understanding of time, of um, fairness, of team structure, um, of respect. Yeah. And so this is what I have learned. I need to respect my negotiation partner and especially if my negotiation partner is a criminal. Hmm. Interesting. And if you take it to that uh, cultural aspect, what you said, I mean, obviously we're now in Dubai, you and I both grew up in Europe. Um, what would you say are the main differences between those two parts of the world? If you just keep it to Middle East and, and Europe, in terms of negotiation styles, tactics? I do not see a lot of differences. I see more a lot of uh, similarities. So. Relationship is, is important. Trust is important. Um, you need to get things done is important. So I don't see a lot of differences. I think the culture from the, so our European culture and the culture here is very, from my perspective, it's almost similar. Really? From, from my understanding, negotiations with Americans are completely different and completely underestimated. Tell me more, what's the difference you've noticed? The negotiation, so it's, I don't want to, to, to draw a black and white picture here. Our negotiations in America are very conflict oriented. Mm -hmm. And they come up with high demands, no cooperation. In cities like New York, the tone is very harsh, which is really fascinating. There is a negotiation and there is after the negotiation. In the negotiation, you play hardball. You want to get what you want. Uh, you come up with demands. I need a better price, otherwise you're out. And after the negotiation, we go for dinner and we're best friends. Really? And this is completely different to the Middle East yeah. and to Europe. Because in Europe... That would definitely East, never work here. It wouldn't work. Because if we do have a good relationship, we won't play hardball anymore. And a good relationship is a clear signal that we, that we talk in a common understanding and this is completely different in America. In America, even if you do have a good relationship, if you enter this negotiation room, then you change your role to be a negotiator, and then you change it back to be a, a business partner. A normal human being. A normal, <laughs> normal human being. So for, for their understanding, this is really amazing. A negotiation is something like a game. So oh. I change my role yeah, yeah, yeah. to hardball negotiator. Yeah, I see what you mean. And this is the most important principle in this uh, Harvard concept. As you know, the getting to yes, for example, 
the most important element is to separate the people from the problem, which is in America very often that you negotiate the problem and then you're best friends. In our culture, it doesn't work. Yeah. And this is why the, the, this so-called Harvard concept doesn't work in Middle East and doesn't work in Europe. Interesting. You see the same with leadership, with people who grow on the corporate ladder quite fast. They grow like faster than the vest that they have to wear <laughs> for the role. Yeah. And then they have this leadership role, they become a manager or managing director, whatever. And then all of a sudden their behavior changes mm -hmm. and they start talking differently, act differently. Yeah. And that's also surprising, like, come on, you were like nice five minutes ago, what happened? So that means then people like you and me, we have an even more important role to play to change this concept of negotiation and to let people know that negotiation doesn't have to be aggressive, doesn't have to be ugly, yeah. doesn't have to be hard, that the collaborative negotiation is actually something that works and that exists and that if there is a level of trust and the balance of power is kind of in balance, you don't have to go for the game. You can simply be... Well, I would say it in a different way. Playing the game is not bad. It's not to your disadvantage. If both parties play the same game by yeah. the same rules, then it's fine. Yeah. And the issue is that if you come from Europe or Middle East and then you negotiate with someone in America, then you play by different rules. Because we believe, hey, we are good friends. Yeah. And then you come up with a high demand and then I'm so disappointed. And then you invite me for dinner and say, no, I won't go. I, I, won't, I don't want to meet you anymore because I'm so upset, so disappointed. And if both parties play by the same rules, so two Americans, let's say, negotiate with each other in the same playground, in the same, we call it sandbox. They play in the same sandbox with the same tools, with the same understanding. Everything is fine. But if we, from our background, negotiate with someone from America, then it's completely different. So interesting. So you need to know the sandbox of everybody <laughs> yeah, and, and the rules um, of the game. But this is my, my experience. Negotiations with someone from Middle East or also with China are, are easy. America is different. Japan is different. India is completely different. Iran uh, is different. Iran is different. That's it's amazing. And what you should not do, from our understanding, you should not believe that your understanding is, is right. their understanding, is yeah, understanding. or is the understanding, the that's understanding. even worse. What, what people from German-speaking cultures very often do, this is my understanding, that's the only understanding. Mm. <laughs> this is why I'm right and you're wrong. My way or the highway. <laughs> my way or the highway. Interesting. Okay, so we heard a lot about what you shouldn't do. Now tell us tips, insights about what you should do. Let's say for everyday life, negotiations at home. Negotiations with your partner, with your neighbor, with your children. What are the main rules of a negotiation to succeed in these kind of environments, which often can be even more difficult, right, than in business, because you're negotiating with people that you care about? Especially in private negotiation, start as early as possible. So if you do have the feeling something is wrong, say talk it. Talk about it. Uh, mm. Talk about it. Uh, because if you wait, then you start to negotiate with yourself. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and yeah. then it's getting more, more complicated. Mm. So if something is wrong, or wrong, if you think something is speak should up. be changed, speak up. Say it. Yeah? That's number one. Always start with thank you. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for expressing your concerns. Thank you for letting me know. Mm. Um, thank you is the, the best way to show respect in an education. Yeah. And it works perfectly well with the kids as well. Exactly. We underestimate it. But thank you for sharing that with me to a four-year-old. It yeah. really makes an impact. Yeah. As a father of four kids, 
they learn it and they, they learn from you. Yeah. yeah. And then they start a negotiation with, thank you, Daddy, for this opportunity. And then, ah. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you. And the third one is, we always start with common interests, not with the conflict. So we are here because we want, we are in the same situation. We want to, to reach a target, we want to reach a, an agreement, whatever. So always we talk about the common interest before we, before we come up with the framework. So we have a principle at home, for example, if my daughter is asking, Daddy, can I get the new iPhone? Then I would say, okay, that's, thank you for expressing what you want. <laughs> uh, what about Sunday, 11 o'clock? So we do a framework. Yeah? And we set a framework to, to negotiate Sunday, 11 o'clock, from 11 to 12. Then we talk about the new iPhone. Because then I can prepare myself with my demands. And yeah. she can prepare herself and she too. Can prepare. And then it, that's fair. And then it's 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 a more yeah prepared and also professional negotiation. Um, after setting the framework, it's important to say what you want. And this is what, what I loved about your your comment before. Yes is yes, and no is no. Mm. So it's not about what could it be. Yeah? So uh, there are two philosophies, as you know. The the first one is low hanging fruits first. So you collect the low hanging fruit, talking about easy stuff. Mm. Or we, we, we um, in our terms, uh, put the fish on the table. If you do have a fish, say it. And keep cool. Uh, <laughs> keep cool. It's just it's just a negotiation. So don't be upset. Don't be disappointed. Oh, I've, I've been telling people that so often. <laughs> keep cool. It's okay. It's okay. Just a negotiation. You know, yeah. often we come to an agreement. Sometimes we don't. And that's fine. But most people, they don't like it, right? Most people don't like conflict. Most people don't like to negotiate, so we see all these... Why is that? What, what do you think? I don't know. I wanted to ask you, what do you think that is? Because I see all around me, most people, they either, you know, they pretend it's not there. That's mm -hmm. one option, mm -hmm. like this didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Or they talk about something else, or they say, I'll get back to you, and they don't. There's always an excuse not to sit down and talk about it. Yeah. So what do you think that is? What do you think people walk away from uncomfortable conversations? I think it's based on two reasons. Number one is you don't learn it at school. Mm. So negotiation is something <laughs> most people believe it's it's just communication. Yeah. But it has nothing to do with communication. No. It's it's solving an, it's solving a conflict. Huh? And it's completely different to to sales, for example, or to to um, showing benefits or coming up with yeah benefits and value. It's solving a conflict. So most people they they haven't learned how to do it. Mm. And the second one is, for a lot of people, negotiation is, is like we are not in a bazaar, you know? Yeah, it's, like, it's not uh, bargaining. <laughs> like like uh, bargaining, like yeah, like like Life of Brian, you know this scene uh, where, where he wants to buy the mask in the market. Um, it's like it's something something stupid. It's negative. I don't mm. want to do it. It's not my league. Uh, and and then they 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 will find an excuse not to negotiate. But this whole aspect of conflict, when you speak about conflict, obviously we're not talking about conflict with guns and that kind of stuff. We're just talking about a disagreement. I want A, you want B, there is a conflict. That's it. So do you think people also overestimate what conflict is, the dangers of conflict, the feeling that that might bring to some people? Whereas if you look at conflict as an opportunity, like, hey, there is a disagreement, so we can go from not agreeing to agreeing I mean, that's the way I see conflict. Mm -hmm. the, you already have the no, so you can 
go to it. Yes, so there is a, like a challenge there. But how can we show people that conflict is an opportunity to create value, to come to something better, to build something that you didn't have before? Isn't that like the basics of what we have to do, show that conflict is not necessarily bad? I, I'm thinking about your, your um, example with not with guns. It is with guns, different guns. Yeah, verbal guns. Verbal guns. <laughs> Um, but it's not necessarily aggressive. It's not necessarily painful. It's just a disagreement. I think it needs to be painful. You think it needs to be painful? Why? Because pain, fear, is the best driver in a negotiation. Tell me more. If I know your pain, I can lead the negotiation. But if you don't? Then I need to try to find it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so you're saying not only conflict is not necessarily bad, you're saying it can actually be good and you should go and deeper, look for it. Deeper. Create so it. This is what, what most people and most companies do. There is a conflict and there is an easy way out of this conflict. They always take the easy way out. Yeah. And that's wrong. So if there's a conflict, we could say, okay, let's increase the pressure a little bit because I want to see the core of this conflict. If you avoid this one step deeper, then you never solve the real problem. You always solve something around the problem, but not the core mm. of the problem. And this is what, what we see in, also in business, in politics. Yeah? A conflict doesn't just appear. There is always a history. Yeah, yeah. yeah? You need to see the history. You need to find at the core, the center of the conflict. Yeah, what's really at stake for exactly. somebody. And the question is always, why didn't you solve it before? Mm, because you were running away from conflict. Exactly. And this is what, 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 what I always try to find is I have always two options in negotiation. It's I could provide some value, some benefits. I can help you or I can increase the pressure. I can go against you using your pain, your fear against you. And fear is better than the carrot. So with that fear, you want to go deeper, deeper and deeper, deeper until you deeper. get really what's at stake. And this is coming back to your question, it needs to be painful. And then what? And then it's time to, to solve the conflict. Then it's time to see what options do we have. But what if by having that approach of saying, I want your pain and your suffering that goes with it for me to understand what is at stake. Mm -hmm. But what if by doing that, you're losing the relationship? You don't. You never, uh, you never lose a relationship by, by going deeper. You lose the relationship if you communi communicate disrespectfully, which mm -hmm. is a huge difference. Okay, so you say we can go deeper if you, respectfully. If you, yeah. How do you do that? You need, it's, about, it's about questions. Mm. It's about, have you thought about the consequences? So if you talk about consequences, have you thought about this? I just want to make sure you're on the same page here. It would be, we shouldn't make a mistake here. So I would like to make sure that we understand the consequences. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? Does it come in your mind to, I, I need to go deeper before I come up with a solution? Yeah. And this is, this is one of the biggest mistakes that you offer a solution too early. Yeah. Yeah, you're solving the wrong problem. Exactly. Seems to be easy, the easy way out. But that's also negotiators do that because they become uncomfortable sure? with the questions. Yeah, they sure. become uncomfortable <laughs> with the pushback. Yeah. And then they're like, okay, let's just settle here. Yeah. 
and, the, and the, the best excuse, I, do, I didn't want to... Hurt him. <laughs> I didn't want to Be damage the relationship. This is why... Yeah. Mm. So this damaging... So it sounds a bit, like, a bit like, like shock therapy, what you're saying. A bit like what we use with the kids sometimes, out of love. <laughs> <laughs> like for their well-being, we're doing certain things that you're like, I know I it's painful in the moment, <laughs> but you will thank me later. <laughs> I wouldn't say shock therapy. Uh, yeah, it's I need a deeper understanding. So you're, you're connected with, with a lot of um, hostage negotiators or former hostage negotiators. As a hostage negotiator, you learn these four steps of listening. Yeah? And the first one is listening. Listening means active listening, reading between the lines, of what is your real motive. And then you uh, move on to this empathy where you share your your emotions. Like, okay, I know this feeling of there is no way out. And then you talk about this rapport, meaning they come up with some new information, and then you talk about as a solution. And most managers, and I guess also most parents, <laughs> they jump from one to four immediately. Mm. So someone comes up with a, with, a, with a problem, with an issue. So you have kids. So your son, your daughter arrives at home after a really tough day at school, telling you about his or her problem today. So what do we do? We jump immediately to number four. So here's what, here's what we can yeah, do. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Instead of going deeper. So what happened? Why, why it was so painful for you? How did that make you feel? Yeah, how did it, yeah, exactly. Mm. What's going on? What? Oh, I recognize that. My husband does that. <laughs> Say hi. <laughs> yeah, no, but it's true. Yeah. But then again, if you do that with your children it's often because you are uncomfortable with your own feelings of seeing your children suffer so you want to like jump in and solve it and solve it so that so that really? they don't suffer i think most parents who come up with solutions that's because they can't see their kids suffer or they just want to be the hero and solve the conflict it's not because they don't waste time talking to their children oh that's sad though there are some that are like that yeah <laughs> but i think most most people who I don't need to write my email you know so that's sad. But many people are just uncomfortable with conflict. So they will do anything to get out of it. And one of it is solve the problem. And you see it in conversations as well. You see this often with between man and wife or, or male and female, where a female comes, explains something, this is what happened at work or this is what I'm going through. And the man comes with his toolkit. Mm -hmm. So this is how you solve it. <laughs> Let me show you. You did this, and then that will happen. And the women is just thinking, just listen. Just let me talk. Just let me blow out some steam and share what happened. So what do you think that is? So my question is, why can't men listen? <laughs> <laughs> well, Simply listen. <laughs> I don't want to jump with this gender discussion. I know. I did uh, it on purpose. I need a bit of uh, challenge. Because we, so speaking for all males out there, because we we are trained to solve problems. Trained. Trained. So that starts in school. Yeah. At home. No. How so, are you trained? Why so ask your brother to fix it. So by wanting to fix it, you can't listen. I mean, you can't do both. Uh, no, because. But you, that's what you said. These four steps, right? You can yeah. listen, understand, so then yeah. you know which problem to solve. It's exactly the same, isn't well, it? As a, I'm also married and. Um, Sitting there listening to my wife takes some time, <laughs> and it's solutions are coming up, popping up in my head. Uh, you can do this, you could do that. So what I do, n not in private negotiations, but in business negotiation, I always start a negotiation with the wife 
sheet of paper and my pen. And so I have a, I have a, a rule, I have a, a commitment with myself, is I'm allowed to, to talk after getting one piece of paper full with new information. I like that rule. This is what I do. So I would sit there, information, 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 and then it's getting boring, you know, and then, then you stop talking. And then I think, I do have a solution. <laughs> and then I think, oh, my commitment is I need more information before I come up with my solution. Mm -hmm. And then I start asking. Yeah. And then I see it's a completely different issue here. Yeah. yeah. But you need to listen carefully to yeah. see that it's a different issue. You need, you need to listen and you need to force yourself not to talk. Yeah. And this is my piece of paper. I'm not allowed to talk before I wrote thousands of new information. And after getting new information, I start to think differently and then I start to understand. And then I could come up with, okay, what can we do together? And this is what you always need to avoid. In a negotiation, you should no, never come up with a proposal. Never come up with a proposal. This is what a lot of people, especially in business. Yeah, all uh, the time. Okay. So here's my proposal. What do you think? Yeah. The problem is, the real problem is, after coming up with a proposal, you can receive a no. And after receiving a no, it's almost impossible to negotiate. And this is why the proposal is at the end, not during the negotiation. And it shouldn't be a proposal, so this is what I propose to you. No, it should more be a summary of it this is what we're summary, yeah. So this is what we can do. And this technique also used at the end of a negotiation, new mm. white sheet of paper, my pen, let's summarize it together. Oh, I like that one. Let's summarize it together. Okay, let's let's draft a possible solution. Mm. The word draft is is brilliant because it's not I show you my solution. It's let's draft a solution. Let's let's together together. So mm. what what do you think? And oh, that's oh, I didn't see this before. Oh, that's great. Thank you. And then you get the feeling that we develop the solution together. But you can only do that at the end, right? Because yeah. if you do it too early, then they, yeah. get, they can open up all other stuff exactly. that you didn't want mm -hmm. them to go. Yeah. Once you already have where you actually want them, that's where you draft <laughs> yeah, together, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> like him holding your pen or the other way around. <laughs> your solution. That's often how it then works. If you do things properly, that's how it works. Like they think they came up with your solution. If you can make them think that, then they leave away with that, everybody's happy. There's another issue. If I force you into this proposal, by saying, okay, so here's a proposal, and you don't like conflict, then you try to avoid this conflict. I'll get back to you. That's uh, what happens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then no, they don't. There's an easier way. You sign the contract. Ah. So here's my proposal. Yeah, but then I don't feel good about the contract. And then what do you do? I don't want to work with you again. And mm. you don't stick to our commitment because you do have the moral right to go against me, because you believe I forced you into this. Yeah, you manipulated me into it, mm, because you didn't take the time to really understand what was important to me and mm. make me feel heard and understood. And The best way would be to pick up the phone, to call me, telling me, Matthias, this was not fair. Yeah, but most people don't do that. Exactly. <laughs> so because you, they don't like conflict, and so there we are again. You go behind me, you negotiate behind my back. Mm. And there are so many managers, C-level managers, they don't realize it. They wake up, oh, everyone is negotiating behind my back. Yeah? And they're wondering about why. Yeah, and, and the they think they're good negotiators they're, they're, because they're, 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 they yeah, got, to, got to the agreement. Yeah. But they faster don't think than how. Faster yeah. than the others. So and I'm they a don't closer, realize, yeah. I get things done. 
and then mm. they realize, oh my God, <laughs> it's, yeah. uh, it's really interesting. Yeah, it's true. I've seen that in business all the time, mm -hmm. all the time. But it's interesting to see it from a negotiation point of view about what happened there. Yeah. Okay, so let's imagine you're someone, you understand now, you've watched this video, <laughs> you understand the value of conflict and that you can, you know, create value out of it. And then you're like, okay, I'm not going to shy away from conflict anymore. Next time I'm going to put the fish on the table and I'm going to go for it. But then you're talking to somebody who doesn't want conflict and who walks away. The person looking at this video knows who, who I'm talking about. So then how do you deal with that? If you think conflict is good, but the other person is very conflict averse. Do it again. And again and again. And again and again. So you train them. You train them. And I think very often people, they wait too long. Yeah. And they don't come up with the small fish. They wait for half a year. Yeah, with the dirty, stinky fish. With the and then oh. they slash the big whale on the, on the table. And then you say, hey, what should I do? Yeah. And this is why I start with a small fish and get used to it. And so what, what, what I always, let's say, advise my, my, my participants in the seminars to create conflicts right after the seminar. Like, on purpose, just to practice. Just to, to practice. Like, you know, let's say, go into an Italian restaurant and ask these guys, what about a drink for free? <laughs> and Do you have all pastas gluten-free, please? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's just to test it, to, to come up with an irrational demand, to create this feeling of feeling uncomfortable and getting this feeling, oh my God, everyone yeah. is looking at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is what you need to learn. You need to learn, it's, it's a conflict. Everyone is, is observing me, also in a company, everyone is, is observing me. And that's great. This is one of my favorite sentences. Now I can show the world that I'm a great negotiator. I can show the world that I'm a great negotiator. Everybody's looking at yeah, me, yeah. so additional pressure. Exactly, showtime. And if you can negotiate then, you can negotiate anytime. Okay, I love it. I wanted to ask you, why do you keep writing books and why is one different than the other and which one would you recommend re reading first? Writing a book is not for, it's not for you, it's for me. <laughs> I like that. Mm -hmm. Writing a book, you force yourself to structure your knowledge. Mm -hmm. If you don't write a book, so I always write a book, always. So if I hand over one book to the publisher, the next day I start You're to write the next, the next one. So what does it do to you? It's, you need to structure your knowledge. That's, that's the most important thing. For example, today I, I learned a lot about negotiations at this conference and tonight I, I will write it down and then I will structure it. So what does, is, is it more for the, for the approach? Is it more for the analyzing your negotiation partner? And then every day I cluster my knowledge. And <laughs> you sound scary now. <laughs> and then, and then I don't you want see, to see your computer. <laughs> and then you see after, let's say, half a year or so, you see a cluster. Mm. And think, okay, that's new. I, I didn't see it before. And then you start diving deeper. And then you ask people, what do you think? What's, what's... So for example, what's, what's really amazing, so my new idea is this window of opportunity. When is the right time to negotiate? Mm. And when is the right time to close it? Interesting, yeah. That's the really, when aspect. The when aspect. Yeah. And Not much has been written about that, so that would be a nothing, good book. Nothing. And the second question is, and is how to create a window of opportunity. Mm. So instead of waiting for it, yeah, you just create creating it. it. This is my new book. Interesting. So when is that one coming out? 
as soon as it's out no, of your it, head it in your Excel sheets and in, then uh, on paper. Yeah, so I always need one or two years to collect information, to cluster it, and then writing is easy. Mm. So for you, negotiation is like your world, yeah? You see the whole world through the eyes of a negotiator and, and you try to build, like what you said before this interview, create this global community of professional negotiators where we have this kind of discussions and we improve over and over again the whole aspect of negotiation. And is that the reason why you said you don't see anyone as a competitor because we're just one big happy family of negotiators? <laughs> from my understanding, we need to learn from each other. We should share our knowledge and experience. And why should we act against each other? And, you know, I just come from the conference, the Arabic world and the, Isra the Israelis, everyone is sitting together, having a coffee. It's so easy to talk to each other. Yeah? And this is what I believe. If we wouldn't see everything as a competition and going against each other. So for me, I share my knowledge, I share my experience because I, I receive so, so many new insights in return. Mm. And this is why, yeah, we should work together. And this is why I, would, I love to, uh, yeah, to set up this, this, we call it an N conference, a negotiation conference. We invite the best negotiators worldwide. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's uh, two days of professional negotiators meeting, exchanging ideas. And we, we do have this dinner on, on Thursday evening in the, in the Kronenhalle, which is in Zurich. This is the place to be. And then, you know, then you sit together with Jack and Priya, former NYPD hostage negotiator, Scott from, from Chicago, uh, Rabi from the United Nations. Nations, yeah. yeah. So it's um, yeah, and they're all wonderful men, and, yeah. and and they have the same mindset as you. As you know, we do different things in different mm -hmm. parts of the world, different type of negotiations, be diplomatic or commercial or hostage. But in the end, we're here to grow together yeah. and to learn from each other's aspect because everybody has another way of doing it and yeah. another field of experience. Negotiation is so broad. Yeah, you can learn your entire life and yeah. still not know mm -hmm. everything there is to know about it. So I agree with you. And I, I also don't see the others as competitors. That's why I'm doing these shows and I'm inviting mm -hmm. everybody to share knowledge and to and I'm learning from everybody. I'm learning. I mean, for me, it's just fun. And then I, I put it out there on YouTube and then other people can enjoy it. But the whole reason why I started Life Negotiations is I'm like, I have access to all these wonderful brains mm -hmm. with a different look on negotiations. Mm -hmm. I mean, you and I don't agree on everything and that's a good thing. And then we can have interesting conversations and then we can challenge each other and then we can grow together. And so, yeah, I agree with you. Thank you so much, Matthias, for taking the time. It was a pleasure talking to you. I mean, we could talk for hours uh, on this subject. Uh, thank you for having invited me to speak at the end conference. I look forward to it. Where can people find you? Where can they learn more about you, your work? Uh, LinkedIn mm -hmm. and we um, have developed a negotiation community on LinkedIn. We would like to exchange ideas and from our perspective it's, it's necessary to be connected and LinkedIn is the best platform. You can download um, a checklist for difficult negotiations on our website. We came up with a lot of insights so we do have this wonderful interview with George Kohlreiser, mm -hmm. one of the masterminds in our, in our yeah. community. Uh, we call it N Espresso. So we sit together having an espresso and talking about his perspective of a negotiation and he's brilliant. He's, yeah, he's, he he's is. unbelievable. And this is what we do. And we will come up with more insights, more interviews, more ideas about the negotiation of the future. Because in the future it will be more digital. 
it will be more oh that's a whole more, other conversation it's a completely new conversation we should have that yeah. one as well mm -hmm. wonderful so we we'll leave it to that again thank you so much matthias thank you